We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tries to win it. Hang your wins. The Missouri Tigers and the Kansas Jayhawks. Welcome, everybody, to the Border War podcast on the Kansas City Sports Network. We're presented by 360 Vodka. I'm Jared Sutton. I'm riding solo today. Jeff Hawkins uh, is preparing for a state championship at Pembroke Hill. Congrats to the Raiders, Jeff Hawkins. I hope they win it all. They're uh, they're headed to Jeff City, and Jeff's done a terrific job this year. They've handled so many things with COVID, uh, but they are on their way to a state title. So I wanted to start by wishing Jeff and the Raiders all the best. Uh, as they look to to get a state championship, it's been a long year, and uh, Jeff's done a great job. So Jeff won't be with us today, but we got a treat today. Um, one of my favorite guys is going to join the podcast. Uh, I know I tweeted it out last night. This episode is going to be a fun one. It's my old teammate, my old roommate, a uh, guy that is without question one of my favorite people on the planet. I've been in his, his wedding. He's going to be in mine. That hasn't been official yet, but he will be in mine. Um, and one of the best Missouri Tigers, a Tiger great, based in Columbia, Missouri. I call him the mayor of Columbia, actually. You all know him as Lawrence Bowers. Lawrence, welcome to the Border War Podcast, my man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I got to ask a question. What, the hell? what am what? I, am I, oh, why you sound, why your voice sounds so deep? Well, hey, man, I don't know. It's just, this is the, this is kind of, I, I've never been good at like the intro, like, because this is not normal for me, so... I was waiting for like, how is this going to go with Lawrence? Is he going to give me crap right out of the gate? Are we going to get into the conversation? So, man, no, we're good. It's I appreciate you throwing some shade early on just to get it started. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. With, Glad. Yeah, so I, think I just want to get started by just – I know there's a lot going on right now around the Missouri program. Just so you know, although like Border War Podcast, we talk about Mizzou, we talk about Kansas – um, but I thought a good time right now with Jeff at State to like fire up the Mizzou basketball conversation. There's been a lot of apathy uh, around the fan base. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know before we got on here, I appreciated what you were talk, what you were saying on on a Facebook post about Conzo Martin, uh, about some of the staff members that were were on the, the the previous regime. And I'll open it up to you just to kind of talk about your relationship with Conzo because I think you had a really good relationship with Conzo, a unique relationship with Conzo. I'll say it, and I've said it before, like Conzo's a great man. We all know the type of person Conzo Martin is. He represented the program, the university, with nothing but class. Uh, he's a man of integrity, a man of resilience, uh, and we wish him all the best. It, it just, as you said, it didn't work. It doesn't mean that Conzo didn't do a good job. I mean, I, I think back to when Kim Anderson 
left, where the program was at. I thought Conzo in that first year did exactly what he was supposed to do, and that's rejuvenize the fan base, give them something to be excited about, and really just give the program a lift. So I'll open it up to you to just kind of touch on Conzo Martin and, and what he did at Mizzou. Well, you know, for me, uh, moving back to Columbia in 2018, I was able to be around the program more than, than most people. And, you know, I knew who Kunzo was when he was coaching down the road from us when we played at Mizzou, when he was at Missouri State. So, you know, it was very intriguing for me to just see how everything just kind of played out with him coming to Mizzou. Um, and then also in 2013, I played against Kunzo. He was coaching at Tennessee. And they beat us that game, but we started off really, really hot. And uh, that game ended up going to overtime, man. And I just – I saw the resilience in him as a man and as a coach. His guys really rallied around him. And uh, it, it was just intriguing to me. Um, and then he comes to Mizzou. He comes to Mizzou. Uh, we create a relationship, very strong relationship, someone that I consider a mentor to this day. Um, and in my post, what I was saying was, you know, it's so easy for people on the outside to make – very harsh comments or act like they know what the hell's happening inside of a program when they really don't. But, you know, to bash men and women who are putting their family time on the back, in the back seat, who are putting their life in the back seat essentially uh, for the betterment of young men and young women, I think it's pretty harsh. And um, I think Conzo, when he was here, you know, he came to accomplish something. And did we win a lot of games? No, we didn't. But did the program clean itself up and and um, rejuvenate itself? Absolutely. Um, so I think Conzo, you know, for what is for what is worth, I think he did. Uh, um, he did the best that he could do. And Absolutely. He's a man of faith, and I know, you know, after talking with him, that this is this isn't the end for him. He's going to impact a lot more, a lot more, um, a lot more men. Um, in his journey in coaching. Absolutely. We'll get into the coaching vacancy. I, I do think, you know, it was it was time for the basketball program. And I give Desiree Reed-Francois a lot of credit for, for making the decision. We're seeing, particularly in the SEC, a lot of movement right now, right, with Mike White going to Georgia, South Carolina moving on from Frank Martin. Um, you know, now Mizzou with a, a chance to really land a, not not just a big name, because I think it, we get in this conversation around getting a big name or a mid-major or an up-and-comer. But it's it's really a, a unique time because just the, the movement really going on in college basketball, knowing that Texas and Oklahoma are going to come to the SEC, the Big 12s of ch- changing, what names could be out there. And I still think Mizzou is a, is a good job. I think Conzo Martin helped improve the job. Uh, and 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 made it more appealing, I think, to candidates that could be out there. So we'll we'll talk about the vacancy in a little bit. Elbow, I want to start from the beginning with you and me, man. Let's go back. Let's rewind the tape back to 0809. Your freshman year. You're a true freshman coming from Memphis, right? St. George's. Right. I'm going through the walk-on process. Like, let's start there. I know <laughs> I'm waiting for your stories, but I, I just remember it as you were the first dude I ever met associated with the basketball program that wasn't a coach. I, I know I knew Coach Anderson. I knew Coach Daniels, Coach Cleveland. I didn't know any guys. I didn't know any of the players. I was nervous. I, you know, didn't know anybody. You were the first dude that I talked to. So let's start there. I want to open it up to you of what you remember from me and you meeting the first time. 
Um, you know, I'm gonna skip a little bit, but you know, it's amazing where we have where where we have come, bro. You my yeah, my best friend, bro. And it's crazy that you know it started by me cracking jokes in them ugly ass shoes. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the light blues, man. The baby blues. Like, had some light blue shoes on, boy. And you came in the gym, and I was like, man, who is who is dude over there with them shoes on? And then I saw your shot. So you don't got the prettiest shot in the world. It go in. No, I mean it's true. Yeah, it's not the quickest either. That's right. It ain't the quickest. Ain't the quickest. But man, um, I remember like yesterday uh, when you, when you had walked in the gym for for walk on trials, and you know. We thought it was all cool to be cracking jokes and stuff. We were on the team, you know, scholarship players. And uh, a lot of those guys we had seen at the wreck. I had never seen you at the wreck. Um, yep. But I just remember I just remember those those ugly shoes, man. And uh, I remember cracking jokes on you immediately. But it was all good after that. Uh, when you had made the team, I got really, really happy because I just remember our interaction. And um, I think it's safe for me to say that you are the most beloved walk-on in Mizzou basketball history. So well, I appreciate it, man. That was, uh, that was like when I knew like w once you came over, cause I was nervous and you just came out of nowhere and you're like, man, these shoes, what, what you're wearing these baby blue shoes. And they were my a high school senior, like team shoe. And I actually think those aged pretty well. Cause I think those would make, like, I think those would be all right. This, like right around now, you know, you know, what, you know what you do with, with shoes like that. Sut? What's that? You take, take them outside and you burn them. Okay? <laughs> That's All what right, KG that's did. That's <laughs> He's like, you take you take these off, and you. He was talking to uh, Craig Sager about. Oh, that's suits. right. That's right. That's how I feel. About, that's how I feel about your shoes, bro. I know. Yeah, I know exactly what we're talking about. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. All right. So then, oh eight, oh nine, man. Like I look back on our our tenure, and you you had you went an extra year with your medical red shirt. Right. Um, our right. senior, our true senior year, like oh eight, oh nine some of the best memories, man, as freshmen, right? Like we were spoiled as freshmen to have the year we had. We played a lot, especially in my position as a walk-on. Like I played a ton because we were just smacking teams, right? right. And we had great senior leadership with Leo Lyons, Damari Carroll, Matt Lawrence, Mike Anderson Jr. And like our class, like we, we had a lot of guys play and won 31 games. Let's talk about that year. Um, is that a year that jumps out to you in terms of like, it's your first year in college, the success we had too? like, we kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really expected Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, to, to win at such a high level as a freshman and we all played, like you said, we all played. Um, I didn't play as much. Me and Steve didn't play as much. I mean, you know, we had four, I had four guard, I mean, four forwards in front of me that were legit forwards. Um, I think that was huge for me from an individual standpoint because it made me realize how much harder I had to work. Uh, yeah. I had Demar Carroll, who was a first-round first draft pick. I had Leo Lyons, who I still would tell anybody to this day is the most talented player I've ever played with uh, for his size. Um, and then I had Keith Ramsey, who was just, a, I mean, all-around great Juco player, and Justin Sapper, who had been in the system with Mike Anderson and knew him really well, was athletic. So for me – the success that we had, it really just put things into perspective. Uh, perspective for me, uh, I knew that I had to get stronger. I knew that I just had to continuously work hard to be a better player if I wanted to see the floor. Because nowadays, you know, kids have one year as a freshman; they don't play much. They transfer. Back then, I didn't think I was going to start until my junior year, potentially, mm -hmm. maybe even senior. 
So um, I put my head down. I worked. Um, so from 08 to 09, in that 08, 09 season, it really put things into perspective. But we had so much fun, bro. We created we created an unbelievable bond. Uh, that was the Elite Eight year. 08, 09 is by far, I would say, even though, even though I didn't play much, my favorite year in college. Absolutely. I totally agree. And and not taking away from like the, the 2012 team with the 30 wins. Like that was a great year and a blast. And but just something about 0809. I know it's because we went, you know, far, but it just felt like we had every piece. And the Memphis win jumps out. Like that is one of my favorite wins. Marquette. Me too. Was, yeah. Marquette being, was being big. from Memphis. Being from yeah. Memphis. I was at home and talk crap. So that was great. Well, and elbow, like that's a legit question too, man, because like back then too, like a lot of schools still looked at you as a player and you were coming off the bench playing limited minutes. I know you were a little bit banged up too going into that Memphis game, but you were doing a lot of media and a lot of, you know, people were asking about you. It would have been easy for you to transfer too to go play more minutes. Was there anything that you can touch on of like why, why you stayed? Was it the bonds you had with all of us? Was it Mizzou? Absolutely. Was it coach? A? What was it all? Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. It, I think my answer right now is going to encompass everything you said. I think, um, you know, obviously Mike Anderson was like family. I mean, he knew my family. He knew my family before I was born. He recruited my uncle to Arkansas. You know, uh, I used to go see my uncle play when I was one year old. Mike Anderson was assistant coach. So uh, that right there. Uh, then number two, I don't quit. You know, simply put, I don't quit. You know, it, it got tough, but. Like I said earlier, I put my head down and I worked and I worked and I worked because I knew the type of player that I could become, but I knew that I had a lot of improvements to, to you know, to be had. So the last thing absolutely would be the bonds I had with you guys. You know, I came in with a class of five. We were very, very close. And then we added you, even though you were a year older than us um, in, in terms of school. You were part of my class. We came in together. Yep. And you know, I still have incredible relationships with pretty much everybody from my entire class. You know, mm -hmm. Kimmy and you and Steve. And and uh, I don't talk with Miguel Paul as much, but, I mean, it's love. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So to, yep. to, run away, to run away on you guys for my own personal deal back then just didn't seem right. And I'm glad I didn't because every year – even that freshman year, I didn't play much, but the games I played over 10 minutes, you know, 16 against Kansas State, 16 against uh, uh, Oklahoma State. So, you know, Colorado, I'm sorry. The games I played, you know, that really helped me understand, okay, look, if you just stay here and you work, it'll be all right. So, yeah. running away back then just wasn't the answer for me, and I'm glad I didn't because I felt like that was consistent improvement year in, I mean, every year after my freshman year. I also, I think you would agree with this. I give Mike Anderson, TJ Cleveland, Matt Zimmerman, Jeff Daniels, um, Melvin Watkins, a ton of credit because and back then, different different era now than we are, we're currently in right now in college basketball. But I always preach player development. I think it's with any job, but at the Mizzou job, like you better be able to develop players. And I do think the staff, particularly, you know, I just have this vision of Coach Z like, getting on us every day, even in the off season of like, are you in the gym? Right. Like putting in the time weights with coach Dietz. Like we, we were, we lived in that gym, man, all the time. And we knew, knew while we were there, you know, we right. knew while we were. There. 
and we we figured out a way to have fun to really embrace the process and we still have fun man that, that's the biggest thing like it's easy to get so consumed in work 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 but you, you still gotta realize we're 18 19 year old dudes so we figured out a great balance between working our tails off and still enjoying the college life and having coaches like matt zimmerman uh you know who who who's i'll say it who got on my nerves sometimes the mm-hmm. justice personality he just he was he came off as obnoxious at some point but and I love Coach Z to death. We talk all the time. But, you know, he, he really had the best intentions for us. And uh, player development is huge. You know, I think just as important as a head coach, I mean, just as important a head coach is, the assistants are equally as important. Yep. So um, I totally agree with you, man. That 08, 09 year was just special. And um, our class was just completely – it was special, bro. Especially. Yeah, it was. And I, I think like the relationships and bonds we made, like it just that that was um, I remember Marcus Denman going to USA basketball that summer. I think it was after our junior year, maybe. And mm-hmm. uh, he spent some time with a lot of players from all over the country. And I remember him coming back in the locker room and he got back and we were kind of asking him, you know, about how that was and, you know, how the what he learned. And we were kind of picking his brain one day. And I remember him saying, and Marcus, you know, he, he was kind of a guy you would joke around with. He was still, you know, tough, like hard-nosed dude, kept it real. But I remember him saying, like, man, what we have here is a lot different than other places, is a lot of the feedback he got. And I thought that, like, really jumped out. And that was after our, our third year. And I, I want to hit on that, not to just kind of fast forward to our, our, our junior year, but Coach A recruited a specific style uh, a specific type of player, right? Like yourself, Keith Ramsey, that fit how we played that fastest 40. The end of our junior year was tough. Like that's what I remember most before Coach A left. We we didn't finish the year as strong as I think we were capable of, of finishing, right? We lost some games we shouldn't have. We flamed out early in the Big 12 tournament. We go to Washington, D.C., lose to Cincinnati, and it's a wrap. And Coach A is off to Arkansas. I think me and you, I think it's safe to say, took that the hardest, seeing Coach A go. I think we had a, a – not to say that other guys didn't have a great relationship with Coach A by any means, but I felt like it, for, for me it was very hard. Of just He gave me a chance and brought me to Mizzou and gave me a scholarship. And, like, I just had a bond with him that was really unique. I know you had your own relationship, obviously, dating back to when you were a kid. What do you remember most? Because we just talk about, you know, the, the transferring and, and at just a different time now. Now it's completely different too with coaches leaving, players leaving, but that was that was very difficult. And for that like week that we didn't have coaches, there was a lot of unknown. What do you remember most about Coach A leaving and the feelings that you were feeling at that time? Well, obviously that was that was one of the tougher moments in in my life, believe it or not, man, because uh, had Coach Anderson left potentially a year earlier, I might have went with him. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Super committed. I was super committed to Coach A. Um, still to this day, you know, talk to him probably once every two two months. Just, just on some, you know, out out of just based on the merits of, of our relationship that grew so much when I was a young a young dude. Um, when he left, you know, I had to weigh a whole lot because I was super invested into Mizzou. Right. I was super invested into Mizzou, which is similar to a situation right now with a kid at Mizzou named Kobe Brown. I met with him the other day, and I told him it's the exact same scenario, bro. And um, But I say that to say this. It was tough for me because, number one, what we had accomplished with Coach A. And when he left, 
you know, I understood why he left. I mean, it was, you know, at the moment I was hurt, but I understood why he left. It was home. Some things just weren't correct on the back end of things, you know, not that, not dealing with us as players, but when he left, man, it, it just completely shattered me. But mm-hmm. I stayed, I stuck around, you know, and, and then here comes Coach Hafe. Coach Hafe comes in, very good X's and O's guy, um, know the game. Coach Hafe was good for us. He really was. Coach Hafe was yep. a good coach. So um, I think, you know, looking back on that, do I wish Mike Anderson would have stayed? Absolutely. But I also got to give credit to Coach Hafe. I turned into a completely different player under Coach Hafe. You know, so there's always uh, pros and cons to every situation. It's just a matter of do you embrace change and do you make the most out of change? And that's what I did. And, you know, like I said, this is off topic, but I hope the same happens with uh, Mizzou's best player right now, Kobe Brown. I hope he can learn a little bit from how I dealt with that because we've talked about it and hopefully he'll stay. Yep. Perfect example um, just for you in particular. Coach Haith comes in after Coach A leaves. And, you know, again, there was a little bit unknown, right? Like there was some – the Matt Painter conversation came up, right, that we might be getting Coach Art. Painter. Yep, and that yeah. that that didn't end up happening. And then we we hired Frank Haith, and I'm with you. Like I give Coach Haith a ton of credit for what he did that, like, spring semester, that summer, just us in workouts and individual workouts. And then in the fall, like everything – he kept certain things tight with us that, that there were things that he kept that he didn't try to change. And then he just tried to implement his system and his style. And I mean, the detail too, and the offensive mind that he is, I think really helped us a ton. Um, we go win 30 games, but let's start obviously before the season starts, you go down with the ACL injury. And I'll just say this, like we have you that year, we add an eighth guy to the rotation. And I think we're a final four team easily. Um, Cause right. I think you, your skill set was very unique to us and you were part of us. Like you said, you were our class. So, I mean, you, the, the familiarity, the comfort, like knowing your game and you being able to play off of, you know, Mike Dixon, Marcus, Kim, Ricardo, like you had a great, I think, skill set in terms of versatility of what we could have added. We had to go small when your injury had, we had to put Kim to the fore. What what would be what what would you say I guess about that the start of that season I mean obviously it was so hard to see you go it it was I remember the morning after when we knew that you had tore the ACL and it felt like total deflation before the season even started like the the air kind of got sucked out of the room because you were our boy and we knew you were done for the year and we were losing a huge piece of our team both on the floor and off the floor what was it like for you to go through that. And just the beginning of how that year and and knowing the role that you were going to play on that team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, you know, um, I think it's human nature to replay, you know, the events of 2011, 2012 for me. Because, number one, that was one of the more successful years in Mizzou basketball history. Um, and I really, I mean, I, I felt like I was a part of it, but I wasn't there on the court physically. Um, when I tore my ACL, that was that, I mean, besides, you know, some rough patches in life growing up, um, which weren't too rough, I guess, that was that was probably the hardest thing I had to ever overcome, mm-hmm. um, you know, being out because people think that it was just the basketball aspect. Like, you know, yeah, I think if I was on that team, that could have been the final four, a final four team. Although playing small ball worked out in our favor for the most part. Absolutely. Yep. It, it didn't work out in our favor for the most part in the most crucial game though. So mm-hmm. you always think about like, man, what is dang, what if I was playing and you know, cause that team, we had a chance. We were a well oil, uh, oil machine. We had chemistry. Uh, Frank Hafe came in and did a good job, you know, keeping the cohesiveness. Um, but I was more so hurt, man, that I wasn't going to be able to finish my career with uh, with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, I think that that's what really hurt me the most. Now, I had a chance potentially to pursue, you know, playing in the NBA. I was I were I was on draft boards just based yep. off pure versatility and athleticism. Um and that was taken away from me too. So, uh, 2011, 2012 was just extremely hard, man. But you know, there's a there's a a blessing and a curse in uh, in all situations. There's a lesson to be learned in all situations. And what I learned with that was anything that is so positive in your life can be taken away from you like that, right? So what did I do? I shifted my focus to my academics, and thank God I did, right? Because now. You know, being so attentive in areas outside of basketball, especially when I was hurt, um, it has afforded me a really good life. Like I'm able now, I moved back to Columbia. I'm, I'm actually in a role now that you know is is very up my alley that I think I'll be successful in, and that's all made possible because of the the type of person I was at. I mean, I per- the type of person I was while I was at Mizzou, the type of student I was. So, 2011, I tell everybody. One of the lowest times of my life, but it also created a drive and motivation in me that is unmatched. Yep. I want to hit on, I think, when, what, what is the biggest piece of your development going from that year. Then we leave, we lose to Norfolk State. We go 30-5. and five. Incredible year. Tough way to end the year. But I think all year, man, like you coming back from that injury, like you changed your body. Tador Pandoff and you were, I knew, were like boys, right? And mm-hmm. He's changed. He changed your body, right? To, to see yeah. you as, as as a senior, 
to where you were as a freshman, man. I mean, you were a grown man by the yeah. time you're lacing them up and you're making the change from the Big 12 to the SEC. You're the team leader. Your class is gone. You got Phil back. You got Mike back. Uh, there's things going on in terms of the transfers that we were bringing in at that time. So you're the the tie over in all of this, right? From 11, 12 to 12, 13, and you're coming back from injury and you have a great senior year, man. Like just talk about going from that year we leave and graduate. You're, you're around. And I, I still felt like just watching you play from afar, like I'm not in the day to day. You still are. And I'm watching you have all this success and it was such a great feeling, but it almost like you missed you missed that. You wanted to be celebrating that with you. But what was that like? like I just am curious, like how that went that whole year, um, and and what maybe was different about that than when we were there. What was different was that I had seven other new guys. Um, I think that's pretty, you know, blunt. But right, it just you know none of us had played together. It was an experiment, bro. And I'll tell people. To this day, I think that that 2012-2013 team that was after you guys left, that I was, me and Phil were the, you know, the guys that, that led that team. I think that might have been the most talented team in Mizzou history, bro. Like, no question. Honestly, totally that been the, when you look from from the top of the roster to the, to the last person, I think talent-wise, that was the most talented roster in Mizzou history. And people can dispute that, but um, it was just hard, man, trying to – trying to contain so many egos and make everybody mesh. And, and we had a good run. I mean, we got to – I'm almost certain we got to top 10 at one point in this, that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Phil had an incredible year. I, I had a really, really good year. I started off really hot and then had another uh, injury to my knee, um, unfortunately. But um, it was just tough, man. Like, you know, and that's it reminds me so much of, like, the transfer, uh, transfer portal now where coaches are having so many guys transfer out and come in. Like, it's just it's hard to build that cohesiveness, bro. Like, I think the reason why we had such a good run was because I was there for four years. You were there mm-hmm. for four years. Kimmy was there for four years. Steve Moore was there for four years. Marcus Denver was there for four years. Like, yep. you just don't see that now, right? Continuity, yep. I see guys come in for one year, two years, transfer out because they didn't play much as a freshman, or they got somebody in their ear that's telling them how good they are, which really they're not that freaking good. But, you know, so that team in particular just kind of reminds me of how today's game is. Now, credit, we weren't that bad. We still had a good year, but it was tough. It just wasn't the same, man. It wasn't the same as being on the floor, lacing up with you, Kimmy, Marcus, Steve. Um, and – I missed the hell out of that 11, 12 year. Like the fact I didn't even play that year, but I still missed it because I was around y'all, you know, mm-hmm. I was dressed suited and booted, boy. I was looking better than coach Hayes sometimes. You know <laughs> oh, heck yeah, um, man. Absolutely. But, it was, uh, but it was just a good time to be around my bros. And, and uh, I'm appreciative of the bonds that we have all, you know, held on to. Yep. From, uh, from time. That, that lot, your, your senior year, the games that jump out to me are at UCLA. That game, I, I know that was a, a tough game, but God, the, you guys played so well in that game. I think, that man, was... literally, I think that's the most in sync I've ever been with a player. With oh man, it, it was like, unbelievable. In Just... my life, in my life, bro, I think Phil had 18 assists that game. Yeah, and I don't remember how many points I had, but all of them were me and Phil like 
connecting eye to eye. Like just the connection. The, 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 it was just like that's basketball. Like what makes basketball so great, man? You guys' connection and UCLA wasn't a bad team. Like they were really good. They, they and beat like, us. They ended up you guys, car- yeah, you guys carved them apart. Just you two yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, man, like it, and Phil, like I was like Phil had eyes in the back of his head. He was an incredible passer. It was, but like. Man. Man, dude, he would just set you up all day. And I just knew it was coming, too. Like, just actions you guys would run. And it's like, elbows getting a bucket here. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, fast forward into the current state of Mizzou basketball, man. To be honest with you, I think a point guard. I think a point guard. um, I think if we – if we can secure a legitimate point guard, man, I think the whole – I think I think all about – I'm not going to say all about trouble, but I think that's a huge void for us. Like, a point guard, a pass first point guard, like field press. Yep. Or like Mike Dixon. Mike Dixon was more engineered to score, but I mean, the guy could pass. Like, I feel like that's what uh, Mizzou needs right now. Just from a, a former player that goes to the games, watching the game, know, know the game, I think uh, I think we need to get a point guard, man, because, you know, talking about Phil, it brings back really good memories. The kid, the dude could, could actually. I think he might have been one of the best point guards I ever played with. So. Oh, God, yes. I think you, you bring up a good point, too, of just, like, you. Uh, we need a point guard, absolutely. We need shooting. I mean, how many times have we talked about that? Just being able to play in a modern game, guys that can stretch it, shoot the ball. Something you developed, right? By the end of your career, you're shooting threes. Something you always wanted to do. It was really important. Uh, yeah, and I think, too, when, like, to touch on the vacancy real quick, I always think about, like, when we were in the Big 12 and – with 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 Mike, it was very different, right? We wanted athleticism. We didn't need to have like bulky back to the basket, Cole Aldridge's of the world centers. That's not how we played, right? right. And fast forward to, to Frank Haith. I mean, you guys brought in Alex Oriaki, which is kind of the Ricardo Ratliff that you guys were wanting to establish right. as like a five man. I get back to just like philosophy and style of play and recruiting guys that fit your system, right? Like you don't have to be in on everybody, but you should be targeting guys that you want to bring in that fit your style. Whatever coach comes in, whatever style of play they want to play, up and down, fast pace, you know, get out and you know, run, shooting, uh, tough defense is always going to be talked about. But I just think you got to bring in and target guys that not only can play and have skill, but in the SEC, it's athleticism and size. And how many times have we talked about Mizzou over the years with Kim and with Konza, where they, they just don't match up in terms of size and bodies. And I think that's another thing that I'm really curious to see, you know, when you look at some of these coaches that are out there and how good the SEC is now in basketball. It's much different than when we made the move when you're, you're you know, your senior year and your first year in the SEC. It was Florida, Kentucky. Those were kind of the powerhouses. And now there's just other schools that are involved. You look, you look at what Auburn's doing. You look at Alabama. You look at Arkansas. I mean, there's some really good teams in the SEC that are competitive, and if Mizzou wants to do that, they're gonna have to target some some size and some athleticism. Yeah, absolutely. I think a point guard, point guard, and uh, a five. Absolutely. You know, we are small, and I love Trayvon Brazil. I I really hope oh, that gosh, he yes. stays. I hope that he stays put. I I really like Kobe Brown. Um, I hope he stays put. You know, mm-hmm. but those those guys. Trayvon Brazil can't be our five man. No question. It just it, it, it won't it won't work. Uh, Not his natural it, position either. Yeah, exactly. As much as I love the kid, you know, I think he's a stretch four. He can shoot. Uh, he's super athletic. I can see him as a stretch four. Kobe can be at a, at the three position because Kobe has really good ball handling skills. Kobe's not a point guard though, uh-huh. and there's 
times where I feel like you know the ball is in his hands a little bit too much. Um, but we didn't have a choice, you know. So I do yep. think that I think that our glaring deficiencies are, is point guard position and and um, and a, a true five. And when I say true five, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a like a Cole Aldrich because that's almost not even a thing anymore. Traditional post players, but somebody that has a little bit of girth to them, somebody mm-hmm. bang down there and still run the floor. You know, a guy that I think has made really good. Um, really good improvements, and people are not gonna like hearing this. Is uh, McCormick, yeah, Kansas. As big as he is, he moves the floor really well. Um, so he does. That's having something like like uh, from from Kentucky, strong as an ox, but run the floor, can do multiple things. That's the type of fire that we need uh, here in Mizzou. And uh, I just hope you know, with the whole vacancy that that Desiree, um, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers. I hope that she does does herself justice, does university justice and everybody justice, which I think she will uh, get, get us a good coach in here and a good coach will see what we need. Yep. I got a couple more questions for you, but I did want to hit on, like you, you mentioned the the transfer portal. Let's take Kentucky, man. Like Oscar Toshibwe, Kellen Grady, Savari Wheeler. Like those are three impact players that make Kentucky final four legit, right? Like so much is made of Kentucky and recruiting and I get it right. Ty Ty Washington's a great player, freshman one and done type player. But they they landed players in the portal, and it just feels like now you got to have a coach that that understands the modern business, like understanding NIL, understanding the portal, understanding you're gonna have to coach every player different, and there's gonna be maybe some maintenance with some guys, right? That right. you're gonna have you're gonna have to deal with. It's part of it. And if you're recruiting them and they're coming to Mizzou, you know that, and and you want to talk about family, and you want to talk about you know trust and communication. You got to be able to work with guys, and that to me is another critical component. I'm really interested to see. I hope Desiree, I know she will, is trying to really un- understand that part of it too, because we're just moving in a totally different direction in college basketball. I did want to get your thoughts though on like NIL, right? It's, it wasn't around when we played. Um, I know you're you're you know you're learning more about that world, and it is a, a lot of unknown. We're one year into it. Like it's just different now to me. Like when you think about times in Columbia, when we were there, when we had it humming, so did football. I mean, I think that was some of the best years in Mizzou athletics history under Mike Alden, right? Absolutely. Football was rolling and basketball Absolutely. was rolling. It's ideal. Man. I mean, think, think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, think, think about, you know, you in college with NIL. You know, I was broke. I was broke. <laughs> uh, we all were, man. We all were. Man. Like, come on Listen, now. You know, Obviously, I'm you know there's some jealousy that that creeps in from time to time, thinking about the how the NIL landscape is now. Um, but yeah, man, back to what you were saying, football team was always top 25, basketball team was always top 25. The economy was thriving. You had record attendance and enrollment. Um, the nightlife in in, in, uh, in Columbia was great. Like times were just great, man. Like small businesses were thriving. Uh, Mizzou Arena, 15,061 fans every game. Uh, you know, people came into Mizzou Arena and never expected us to lose. That's the type of culture that you want, right? Yep. Um, and I, th- and I, I think, I pray, I, anything that you can possibly wish for, I wish for when it comes to Mizzou basketball, um, just off of the merits of me playing there and, and having success. But um, I really think the NIL stuff is, is, is changing the game, man. I think – as much as people say, you know, it, the who's who are going to remain, 
the who's who and the rich getting richer and the poor getting poor, you know, all those cliches. I think it does allow certain schools to have a better chance. Um, so if done right, if done correctly, um, NIL is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Student athletes should have been paid a long time ago. And that's easy for yep. me to say. But now that we have this in play, um, it's, it's very important for donors or investors to uh, understand how it works and, and make sure these kids are taken, taken care of because I remember, you know, like my family wasn't able to travel to a lot of games. They just couldn't afford it. Uh, there's a lot of kids that come from really harsh situations back home where money is one of the biggest stress causers in their lives because yep. they're talking to mom who's struggling, dad's not home, or I'm just giving scenarios. But now we got a chance to show these kids, okay, hey, you're not just providing entertainment for us. We care for you. So let me put something in your pocket. Send home to your mom. Make sure she's fine. Have your mother or your sister fly to a game. It's a lot of things that you can do. And people think that NIL, you know, some people are against it because players shouldn't be getting paid or whatever. But if you really think about it, if you really think about it, players should absolutely get paid because every university, every university in the country benefits from the labors of their student athlete. Yep. And I believe, and I believe hugely in NIL, which has led me to actually take a job in the field of NIL uh, to try to fight for athletes around the University of Missouri. Hmm. It's player empowerment, man. And whether you like it or not, you better get behind it, right? You better embrace it because it's not Absolutely. going anywhere. And it's good. Like the game evolving, the business, the sport evolving, it's good. I mean, it's really good. And you're talking about trying to keep athletes now from going to the G League Ignite, from going to Overtime Elite right from you know trying to and you're trying to level the playing field obviously but there's going to be other means for for players to try to go make money and they should they're extremely talented and i always give like the jabari brown example man like remember jabari was just a killer and probably left school for financial reasons like he needed to do that at the time right he had a family from oakland his dad was you know, in bad health. And he felt like he needed to go do that. And you had to commend him. He might've gone back, you know, you never know, but um, those things still exist. Those are out there. So I did want to get one more question in because I know you got to go, but give me your top three dunks at Mizzou. Cause I know Nebraska is going to be up there. Right. I like the uh, Nebraska was the most vicious dunk. That was, Uh, that was, that was, that was the one that was over. um, It was, um, McKay, McCray, whatever his name McCray. was. Uh, McCray, yeah. He was like he was six eight, and then you had Diaz. He was seven one. You know, went over the top and and, and boomed it on both of them. So that's you my rocked number it. One. You 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 rocked it back too. It yeah, was full extension back. That, that was my number one. I think number two would be freshman year ESPN top top uh, top play the other the day. That was, Matt Matt Lawrence Matt. gave me the worst alley oop. Actually, he didn't throw me the worst out of you. You threw me the worst out of you, but that's another <laughs> uh, true story. True story. Uh, Matt Lawrence threw me a, a pretty, pretty bad pass for a lob, and I had to reach back with the opposite foot off the wrong hand and still somehow, some way, put it in length. So that Your was, length, dude. That was nasty too. Exactly. So that was number two. Uh, number three would easily have to be the dunk that made every uh, man a wildcat hate me for the rest of my college career. So. Uh, that reverse double pump against Kansas at the end of the game. Um, and that was in, let me see, JT Tiller passed me that ball. He was a senior. So that was our sophomore year. 
Yep. I thought you, so that was like right obviously in front of our bench. And I knew you were going to do something. I didn't know you were going to do that though. Yeah. Like I didn't know you would, you would bring that out there. I thought you were just going to do like one of your like one hand hammers and you did, you rocked it back and reversed it. And I was like, dang. And that whole place just exploded after that. 1561, bro. That number was embedded in me, bro. I might, I don't know. I might go get a tattoo tomorrow on my chest. (laughs) 61. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Missouri Arena, man, was great back then, and, and I really hope to see it get back to, to how we used to have it. So, Yeah. So, I last question. I mean, obviously, the vacancy. Um, and last question. You said last question. You said this last question it. five questions ago, bro. Hey, I just wanted to throw I wanted to throw you this so you could answer it if you wanted to. But we, what, what's your thought right now on the, on the vacancy in terms of, you know, our, I know there's names out there. Obviously, our boy Kim English, George Mason, I'd be ecstatic if he got the job. Uh, I think his track record as a head coach is going to be high. He's been a great assistant. He's recruited. Um, he's a great teacher. He's got great knowledge of the game. Um, still a young head coach. And his name's in this mix. Where are you right now? Um, are you just, hey, let's work through the targets. Let's see who who would want the job and, and kind of work our way from there. I think my thing here is you have to do what's in the best interest of the University of Missouri. Obviously, like you said, there's some personal bias there. Um, yep. However, you know, I really love my school and, you know, I'm in a position now to where I could potentially impact the players that play for the University of Missouri, although I don't work for the University of Missouri. Um, so I, I, I want I want the best possible hire. And yep. if that's English, who is our boy, like a brother does, then that's great. Um, but it all comes down to fit. It all comes down to who wants to be here. Um, and I think Desiree will make a really, really good decision, bro. So um, the the coaching carousel, it's uh, it's intriguing. It's nerve wracking. But, you know, I just hope that Mizzou comes out on top, whichever direction she uh, she ends up going. Yep, I agree. It's an exciting time. It's tough to see Conzo go. But I, I think the just there's been so much apathy around the program. And it's just great to see some excitement. People are Looking forward to seeing who who the next head coach will be, and man, I want that you know fifteen thousand sold out again starting next year. We man. got we got to we got to get it back, man. Because absolutely, you know, we're, we're not too far removed from from success in basketball and football, bro. Like people still remember how it feels. It's not like we've we've been bad for twenty years. Like you know, we were in the elite eight fourteen years ago. Like I mean, I know that's not near, but you know, we were number two in the country nine years ago like so it can get back bro i think people still remember that feeling and the beauty about basketball is there's not another basketball team in the state i mean i'm not overlooking SLU or missouri state but when i say that we are the flagship school of the uh, other state uh university of missouri and there's no pro team so you know if if you can get it back rocking the way it used to be then you have the whole state behind you man because we did so there's no reason why it can't happen again and I think this high right here is, is really going to uh, propel us in the right direction. Just, to, I mean, you got to be a part of some incredible environments. We we we, we both did, but Mizzou Arena rock impact. There really is nothing like it. I mean, like it is it is a great college basketball environment. And I hate when people say like, "Oh, it's not that anymore." Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, you just got to get it right. That's the name of the game. You, gotta, you just got to win games, man. You just got to win games. People, Mike Anderson used to always tell us, "People love winners." Remember you said that. Absolutely. It is what it is, man. That's, you know, and uh, hopefully those same people understand 
uh, that they now now they have to do their part with NIL. They have yep. to do their part. You know, um, you you can want want want, but if you're not willing to go the extra mile to make sure that these kids are taken care of, then yep, it's just part. So yeah, knowing yourself yep. to look at. Elbow, I love you, man. I appreciate the time. It's always great to connect and catch up here on the on the pod. But um, just thank you for being you, man. You represent the school in so many great ways, especially around Columbia. You're a hero to a lot of people. Um, one of my favorite guys of all time. So appreciate you being on the pod, bro. Already, bro. Love you too. I'll come in. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.